You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host David Drogemeyer and on today's show here with us to break down this game is John Kegley, one of the original members of the show and this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best protein bar on the planet. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar and you can go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you can get 20% off your next order. So before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, but we've been covering the Chargers for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our third season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What is up, guys? Well, welcome into all of our first-time listeners. If you are listening for the first time, I really appreciate it if you're coming in after the game that we just watched. And we have so much to get into because the Chargers blew a 21-point lead against the Denver Broncos on Sunday, the latest in a series of collapses that has been absolutely historic. But head coach Anthony Lynn does not think that this is the time of the season for a change with the coaching staff. So we're going to start there with just how the Chargers lost this game and Anthony Lynn saying that it's not time for change when obviously right now change is needed more than ever. But we are going to get into a full game recap. So we're going to be talking about the first half of the game, how the Chargers put up one of their better halves of defense and the Chargers offense ended things on a positive note for them in the first half, which is something we really hadn't seen so far this year and something that made this game feel a little bit different. But then to wrap up the show, we're going to get into the second half. We'll talk about the Broncos scoring three straight touchdown drives. We'll talk about all the coaching staff errors and everything else that were built into it and the biggest plays down the stretch of the game that ended up costing the Chargers another divisional game and why things have to change for them going forward. But let's go ahead and get into it. On Sunday, the Los Angeles Chargers fell to 2-5 and five on the season to the Denver Broncos, blowing their biggest lead of the season. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. The Chargers have made a habit of losing big leads in each of their last four games to a historic extent. The Chargers are the first team in NFL history, according to Joe Reedy of the AP, to lose four consecutive leads of 16 points or more when they went down 31-30 to to the Denver Broncos on Sunday and at this point it doesn't seem like anybody is safe for the Chargers because another game in which you look like the dominant team for a lot of the game and then have the other team come back due to poor decisions due to poor coaching and poor execution and you end up losing the game this time it's on the very last play of the game after a pass interference penalty in the end zone Denver Broncos got a one-yard touchdown to KJ Handler with no time left on the clock the Broncos would kick an extra point to win the game. But David, this is about as brutal as we've ever seen from this Chargers organization. This is as bad as it's ever been for any NFL team blowing leads. And it just seems like it can't stop for the Chargers. It definitely does feel that way. I mean, this one was definitely a very tough pill to swallow. But 
I mean, the Chargers had a huge lead in this game. They they played exceptionally well at some points in the first half. They limited the Broncos to only 60 or so yards of offense. So they did a phenomenal job. Just things started to unravel in the second half. And there was a couple of key plays late in it that really uh, is what changed the momentum and the tide and eventually the score of this football game. And it kind of started with Rayshon Jenkins getting an interception with 3.05 left in the third quarter. And then three plays later after that, Justin Herbert throws an interception in the end zone when he's trying to find Mike Williams. And the cornerback kind of just gets the ball that lands directly in his arms for an interception. And the difference there is the Broncos come back and they capitalize on that interception. They go nine plays, 100 yards, and end that with a nine-yard touchdown to the tight end Okui Bunam and that shrinks the Chargers lead to 24 to 17 and unfortunately after that the Chargers would trade field goals for touchdowns and anytime you do that it's not going to end well and the Chargers would give up a touchdown late and a extra point to give up a 21 point lead at one point to lose this game it's absolutely devastating to see the Chargers do this again, Daniel. I don't understand. They have to get this corrected. And you just wonder who is going to be in place to get these things corrected because if you take the pulse of the Chargers fan base right now, just about everyone wants just about everyone to be fired from this team as far as this coaching staff. And it's hard to blame them because at a certain point, you can't keep blaming execution. You can't keep blaming the players on the field when they're not being put into the best position because you're just obviously not doing and not pushing the right buttons down the stretches of these games. Because if you're good enough to get these leads and play this well defensively, even though they lost some players, you should be able to do that for the entire game or at least more of it than the Chargers have been. So they really have to reflect on this and think about if this coaching staff is the right collection of guys going forward. But Anthony Lynn was asked specifically about that. And this is a team that got rid of Ken Wisenhunt, their offensive coordinator, in 2019 after eight games. But Anthony Lynn says that it's not the time for a coaching change. Yeah, he he definitely was trying to support his coaching staff and stuff. But it's starting to get a lot more difficult for him to defend himself and to defend his coaching staff when his team can has continuously done very very badly in one score games they are three and 14 in one score games since last season and that is absolutely terrible in the nfl you have one score games all the time and the difference between a good team and a bad team are the ones that actually get those wins in those one-score games, and the Chargers have just not been able to get it done. When he was asked about firing guys, he says, what do you want me to do? Go hire new players? Go hire new coaches right now in the middle of the season? You can't do that. This is what we have. We're going to have to figure this out right now. Daniel, he's absolutely right. He's going to have to figure it out. His job right now is definitely under fire. Somebody asked him directly, hey, are you worried about your job status? And he says, Anytime you're not winning in the NFL, you have to worry, and you definitely should be worried, Daniel, because after this game here, the Chargers are 0-8 in division games since the start of 2019. That is not going to get it done. He also said in his press conference, I'm sorry, I take full responsibility. Well, taking responsibility and actually putting things in motion to get things changed is two different things. The Chargers have to get things done or Anthony Lynn and his staff might see themselves on the unemployment line sooner rather than later. 
For this coaching staff, I mean, they really have to be feeling the heat because you have to be able to win divisional games to find success. You have to be able to win those games six out of the 16 you have every season to have a chance at making the playoffs. And the Chargers did not have great playoff odds going into this, but they did have much better playoff odds going three and four than they do now at two and five. So for the Chargers who are trying to do what's best for their new face of the franchise rookie quarterback right now the evaluation is ongoing and right now Anthony Lynn is feeling the heat but even if it's not his job that gets lost it would seem like even at this point mid-season something has to change for this organization to show that it is very serious about getting on the right track winning these games and not creating a culture where everybody including the fans and the players feel like you're going to lose the game at the end of it. But we do have two more segments to get into because there are a ton of plays to get into from this game. We'll talk about Justin Herbert leading some great offensive drives at the end of the first half. And the defense's dominant first half performance coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. For me, when I'm thinking about my game day today, I meant hiding my phone so if the Chargers blew the lead, I could not throw my phone and break it, but I am an experienced League of Football Watchers member, and I had my Pepsi here to calm me down because Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. All right, guys, well, now we have to get into the game recap from this one, and I want to start with the first half, and we're going to be getting into how the Chargers dominated early on in this game defensively, and how after a tough start for the Chargers offense, they were able to rebound nicely at the end of the half, but it started off very slow with the Broncos going three and out on their first drive, and then Justin Herbert made his earliest biggest mistake of this season so far, because on the Chargers' first drive, they end up getting into a third and 13 situation. Justin Herbert has an ill-advised throw over the middle of the field. He throws it late. Justin Simmons is there to intercept it, and he brings it all the way back to the Chargers' 11-yard line. But give the Chargers defense credit because they held the Broncos to four plays, zero yards, and they get the field goal to put them up 3-0. But the next Chargers drive gets stalled again, this time due to a Sam Tevy holding call which anytime you get a 10-yard penalty, it's going to drastically decrease your odds of doing something good on that drive. And then the Chargers defense held up again. They hold the Broncos to three plays and negative one yard and a punt. The Chargers defense was getting pressure early. They were doing really good stopping the run, which was something that was surprising to me. It looked very stout at the beginning of the game, and it was causing the Broncos to do things they didn't want to do offensively. But on the Chargers' third drive, they went for it 11 plays, 65 yards, and they tried to go for it on fourth down. And John, I really liked the call to go for it there. The offense had been struggling. They really needed some points to get things going for them. But the play call once you get there is what was really frustrating to watch because after Justin Herbert takes a huge hit on third and two to only gain one yard, I mean, he got absolutely crunched on that. The Chargers do what they've done all season long on a lot of fourth and short situations. They went to a handoff right up the middle with Joshua Kelly and Brian Bulaga gets beat. Kelly gets hit in the backfield and actually loses a yard. Not even close. So, John, for me, the decision was great to go for it. The play calling was awful. 
yes, the play calling was awful for that play. You could have done something way more creative. You could have done a play action or done some quick pass that could have been to Hunter Henry or Keenan Allen on a crossing route. Something a lot more creative than doing a run up the middle, which you have done a lot this year on a fourth and one or a third and one, and it has rarely worked, and yet you're still going to it. There was another one earlier in the game where there was another run in this game where you went for it on fourth and one. You did the same thing again, but you did like a counter play, but the play just blew up, and there was no way to even get to that counter cutback part of it. So I don't know why they still go to that. Where is the creativeness on this? There is a lot of creativeness in this game, but you still are not creative on the fourth and ones. And with the defense, the defense is starting off every game since Justin Herbert, well, even the Bengals game, actually. Every game this season besides the Panthers game, the defense has come out flying around playing good. It's it's kind of amazing that they start off good and then it's like changes the rest of the game. And that's the most frustrating part, right? Because you see them executing you see them doing all the things they need to do to find success. But I thought the battle in the trenches was for the Chargers what really hurt them or in a lot of other games that they had kind of contained in this game, both running the football themselves and stopping the run. I mean, they really bottled up Melvin Gordon. So that's one small thing we can take away from it. But the Broncos fourth drive, they end up having to punt again. So at this point, they only had one first down on the game. I mean, their Chargers defense was doing literally everything they could and the Chargers on the next drive I think made a questionable decision I saw that Daniel Popper also talked about this in an article talking about replacing Anthony Lynn but the Chargers winning percentage went down here they had the ball on the opposite side of the field in in Broncos territory they decided to punt it from the 43 yard line instead of going for it on fourth and five and then even though the Chargers defense holds up after that, that was a chance to get more points right there. And they would rather have just kicked the ball through the end zone for a touchback. But on the Broncos' fifth drive where they have to punt, they end up going five plays, 19 yards. But it really was stalled by Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones with another tackle for loss to force a third and 12. The Broncos were going with a run a lot of times on second and 10. And Justin Jones on two consecutive drive gets a tackle for loss that really puts the Broncos in bad third and long situations. But the Chargers finally got the offense going on their fifth drive. They go nine plays, 80 yards for a touchdown. It's set up by a great screen play to Justin Jackson. That bus open for 34 yards. They have a Keenan Allen 22-yard reception on the drive. And then on third and goal from the nine-yard line, Herbert buys time and finds Keenan Allen for the nine-yard touchdown. And this was a great thing to see from the Chargers offense because you make it 7-3, to three, you get the lead back, and you're also doing positive things towards the end of the first half. And then the Broncos, after that, go three plays, six yards, and a punt. And that was really nice to see from the Chargers defense, too, getting that stop right there. And then with limited time left, David, the Chargers actually got aggressive going for points before the half. They go six plays, 80 yards. Justin Jackson rips off a 22-yard run on one of the first plays of the drive. And then right when you think the Chargers are content with a long field goal from Mike Badgley, Herbert pushes the ball down the field, throws a beautiful back shoulder fade to Mike Williams for 36 yards, and then ends up finding Gabe Neighbors for his first career NFL touchdown. But that was something I love to see, the Chargers hunting those points towards the end of the half, trying to finish the end of the half strong, which is something they really struggled with against not just the New Orleans Saints two weeks ago when you give up that other that touchdown right before halftime or the Buccaneers where you fumble or even last week when 
last week when you almost gave up the entire lead before the end of halftime. But this time the Chargers stay aggressive and they go into halftime up 14 to 3. Yeah, I mean, it was a really nice welcome change from, you know, the performances going into halftime by the offense or the defense. The Chargers just have not executed uh, in that part of the game, you know, pretty much at all, all year. So to see them get aggressive, to see them go after Mike Williams, who actually, you know, made an incredible effort to almost get into the end zone. He just, you know, just couldn't quite get it done. But great play call and uh, great ingenuity to get Gabe Neighbors open and, and get a uh, get a touchdown there before halftime. You know, great momentum. That, you know, that's what you're looking for going into the half, especially when you get a chance to, you know, double up on that when you get the ball back after halftime. So great execution. You know, awesome to see the Chargers actually put points on the board and be aggressive on trying to extend the lead going into halftime. Yeah, and John, that was a perfect throw to Mike Williams. They took the chance. They got it. He almost gets into the end zone. But I also just love the fact that on first and goal, everyone thinks you're running it. They go hard play action, and even a guy like Gabe Neighbors can find himself in the back of the end zone. And, I mean, Justin Herbert, you know, bought the time to really open him up. But just, I mean, another great call by Shane Steichen in the red zone on that drive. Well, Herbert actually had Neighbors open earlier in the play and he just didn't see him right when Herbert first broke or right when neighbors first broke out and went into the end zone and turned around he was open and Herbert just didn't see him and neighbors was able to move along the back of the end zone and make himself open so I got to give credit to neighbors for making himself more available but I love the play call too and the, the ability of Herbert to roll out of the pocket even though he had a guy open but to buy himself time and then throw that pass on the run Herbert's still growing and growing game by game, play by play. But that right there was an NFL type throw. That's the type of play you got to make in today's NFL with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes making those kind of plays. He just made that one of those kind of plays on the run, throwing to a guy in the back corner of the end zone with the time ticking down before half. That's a clutch play. And it almost seemed like he was going to throw it away too. Like, it just seemed like he was kind of getting, he was like waiting, waiting, seeing if something would open up. And then I thought he was going to throw it out of the end zone. And he finds Gabe Neighbors all the way wide open in the back of the end zone. But a huge play. And that's why, I mean, the Chargers can always make the games feel a little bit different. It felt different with this because they were actually finishing the first half on a positive note. And they would actually start the second half on a positive note, too, coming out after halftime with one of their best drives of the season before everything starts to fall apart. So we're going to get into that second half. I mean, a couple of ridiculous drives by the Denver Broncos, some really big missed calls by Gus Bradley going down the stretch and really letting the Broncos offense dictate to the Chargers defense what they were going to do. But the Chargers did have some fight in them. It just wasn't enough, and we'll get into the rest of this game coming up right after this. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the most delicious protein bar on the planet. And now they are back in better than ever, and the improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, raspberry, peanut butter, banana bread. I mean, so many flavors to choose from. But you really just can't trade off for how good they taste. I mean, there's something that are that is healthy for you and tastes great. And they're all soft and easy to chew and 100% covered in chocolate. 
Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. And right now you can get a Built Bar for when you're on the run. And I'm telling you, you're not going to find a better tasting treat that is good for you. And we have a special offer. You can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, well, now it's time to unfortunately get into the second half for the Chargers where all things fell apart. They ended up starting off better than we've seen from them pretty much all season coming out of halftime, but then the defense really started failing the Chargers and the offense started trading field goals for touchdowns. And we started off in the second half with one of the more impressive drives we've seen from them, David, in that situation. We've asked so many times for them to come out after halftime, show you've made the adjustments and keep it going offensively and keep adding on to that lead. And the Chargers did that. On the drive, though, they ended up coming out and running the football very effectively. They ran it eight times for 48 yards. And then Herbert ends up finding Mike Williams one-on-one in the end zone and a perfect throw just lofted it up to him, and Mike Williams comes down with a crazy one-handed catch to make it 21-3 to for the game. But that is something we haven't seen a ton from Justin Herbert to Mike Williams in that connection. But Mike Williams on that one only needed one hand. He did a good job of shielding off the defender and then coming down with a big touchdown to extend the Chargers lead. I mean, that was just a thing of beauty altogether. I mean, the throw, the catch, I mean, the, the, the setup to that, I mean, everything was executed so nicely. I mean, that ball, you couldn't really put it any any better. I mean, that landed right in the crevice of his arm. Mike Williams just had to make sure he got two feet in bounds and, you know, didn't get the ball knocked out. I mean, what a, a great play design. In, you know, awesome to see the Chargers continue to capitalize after halftime. You know, another thing, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of this year, but, the, you know, the Chargers come come through with the big play. That one's definitely going to be on the high right, uh, the highlight reels, you know, going forward. Yeah, unfortunately, he'd have another opportunity to do something similar and wouldn't be able to get it done. And we'll get into that later on and not just bluster of a drive. But the Chargers defense also came out really looking great again as well. And you wanted to see them continue it into the second half. That's been the theme for them recently, giving up big leads, obviously. And it looked good on the first drive. Jerry Tillery gets a quarterback hit and a sack separately on two separate plays. And on third down, the Chargers get enough pressure to end up forcing Drew Locke to have a terrible throw. They go three plays, negative five yards, and have to punt it back to the Chargers offense. And that was somewhere where I was just like, Chargers, keep scoring, keep scoring. You obviously can move the ball on this team. And they ended up doing that. They were able to go down and make it 24-3. to And this was a big one because Michael Badger hits a 52-yard field goal on that drive. I mean, Pope looked great. I mean, he's looked great since the last game when he averaged only six yards per carry on his only attempt. But in this game, Troy Main Pope and Justin Jackson look good. He had a 26-yard run on the drive. The drive ends up stalling out after three straight Herbert incompletions. He ends up missing a deep throw to Jalen Guyton where he just overthrew it um, just a little bit. I mean, we've seen him make that play so many times. He wasn't able to hit it there, but... John, as we've seen with the Chargers, there always seems to be one moment in the second half or in the game where you just feel the momentum completely turn back to the other team. And although it was nice for the Chargers to get points on each of their first two drives after halftime, that was huge. And I thought that was a growing process for them. This was the back-breaking play because on this Broncos' second drive of the half, 
Philip Lindsay ends up breaking off a 55-yard rushing touchdown. A couple of plays earlier, the Chargers couldn't get off the field in third and eight. And then a couple of plays later, it breaks open. Kenneth Murray was in the hole and got blocked in the hole, couldn't make the tackle. Nazir Adderley had a shot, and we all know as the last line of defense defensively, if you don't make the tackle, nobody's going to make it. And surely enough, he ends up breaking through, and nobody even touched him on his way to the end zone to make it 24-10. to And most teams would feel good with a 14-point second-half lead, but it did seem like that was the moment right there where the momentum totally shifted to the Broncos. I think it was. That that was a big play. I mean, most teams, when they're down by a lot, they tend to want to give up. But if you give one flashy play that increases everyone's mood, it can change the whole game for them. And that was that play. Lindsey made two guys miss their tackles, and he took off on a highlight run. And now the Broncos' mood, the mental state, was in a lot, a lot better place. And the Chargers would respond to that with, more conservative play calling instead of actually attacking, which is basically where the momentum is really given. It's really given with how you respond. If the Broncos get that run and the Chargers come back out and they start like throwing the ball down the field like they were to start the half or how they were ending the half, just strong attacking passing plays, you can get rid of that momentum quickly. But the Chargers, every single game, tend to give in to that momentum shift with conservative play calling. Yeah, and I mean, the Chargers offense, I mean, there's a few points in the second half where they really could have added on and had touchdowns, and we'll talk about that. But in this specific situation, you had two times to answer that score because even though you punt five plays, 24 yards on the drive after that drive, on the Broncos' third drive, you got the Drew Lock interception that you were waiting for. He ends up throwing a really ill-advised pass, and Rayshon Jenkins easily intercepts it and returns it to the 23-yard line or returns at 23 yards to the Denver 24-yard line. And then in that, in that scenario, you know, hey, if you take get a touchdown on this, I mean, there's really no way to give you more momentum right there. I mean, you would fully take that momentum back and be back in the driver's seat. And I understand why Justin Herbert wanted to go for the kill shot. But on third and five, he ends up lobbing it up to Mike Williams. And then Bryce Callahan ends up coming down with a pretty ridiculous and semi-lucky interception. Didn't even really have full control of it going down and kind of collected it on the way down. But he did have an opportunity to take a shorter pass, get a first down, keep the chains moving, run some more quonk. He went for the kill shot, David. And what do you think there? Do you think that's more on Mike Williams or more on Justin Herbert? Honestly, for me, that one's more on Justin Herbert. I, I feel like when you have a guy like Mike Williams with that size, with that catch radius, with that jumping ability, throw it up, throw it way up. I mean, Bryce Callahan's what five foot nine, and and Mike Williams is six foot four. I mean, we know what this guy can do with with the ball in the air. So my philosophy is always throw it up high and make Mike Williams go up and get it. That's what he does best. I feel like he threw the ball a little bit too low and that ball kind of just ended up in Callahan's arms. I mean, he really wasn't even looking at the ball. The ball just kind of, like I said, landed in his arms and, you know, he fell to the ground and was able to secure it for an, for an interception. But if, if he throws that ball a little bit higher, a little bit more to the back shoulder, I think you're looking at a touchdown there. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, it was high, it was just short. I mean, it came down, I think, shorter than he wanted to. The ball placement wasn't there. You want to go to the outside, give only your guy a shot there. But Mike Williams had a chance to go up, I mean, at least get his hands on that ball. He went to catch that ball, and he whiffed. 
right? I mean, it wasn't like Callahan snatched it out of his hands. Mike Williams had a shot at it. He couldn't make any contact with his hands. I think if you're 6'4", if you want those opportunities, if you want the jump balls, I understand it's not a perfect throw, but that ball better not ever end up in the hands of the defensive back when it's in your catch radius. So I think there's equal parts on both sides, but I think if you want those opportunities and you're Mike Williams, it better not end up like that with you having a chance at the ball because he definitely had a shot at it. I mean, that's the one thing that for me, it's like you have to at least knock it down if you're not going to come down with it. But I understand it both ways. The ball is also placed in a spot where it could have got a pass interference on the DB also, though. I think the ball placement was also for uh, if Mike Williams reaches over the DB, it could be a PI if it's not a touchdown, too. They definitely created the opportunity with that throw. I mean, coming back through, I think that Mike Williams honestly mistimed his jump a little bit. And I think we've seen some issues with that before. But come back through the body of that DB to get that ball if it's short. That's how you draw flags. It just has to be more physical at the catch point than Mike Williams was right there. So that play absolutely was brutal for the Chargers. And what the Broncos did after that made it even worse because on the next drive, the Broncos take full advantage of the Chargers' mistake. The Chargers had points basically on the board, but they give it back. On third and 16, this is the play that really hurts. The Chargers cannot get any pressure. Drew Locke finds Jerry Judy for 43 yards. Chargers electing not to add additional pressure there. He finds a soft spot in the zone, and that ends up with Drew Locke finding a tight end in the back of the end zone, just barely inbounds. If I was Ron Miles, I'd be going up to Michael Davis after that because Michael Davis gave him a good shove, almost pushed him out of bounds. But if it's me, I mean, I'm literally carrying that guy out of bounds. There's no forcing the receiver out anymore. You literally hold that guy in the air until his entire body is out of bounds. But either way, the Chargers leaking at this point now it's 24 to 17 and everybody's getting nervous and the chargers now on their next drive come down they find mike williams with justin her making a nice play rolling to his left for 16 yards and then the chargers end up going for a quarterback sneak something that we've wanted but it kind of turned out the way that a lot of the chargers interior running on third and shorts go justin herbert gets stuffed but there is a face mask call a huge face mask call that grants them a new life and then after that troy main pope just gets absolutely destroyed on a helmet to helmet hit by kareem jackson i mean Kareem Jackson, a few plays earlier, knocked one of his own teammates out of the game, kind of headhunting a little bit for Mike Williams on the previous throw I talked about. On this one, Troy and Pope's getting held up. Kareem Jackson goes in there and absolutely just destroys. I mean, it was a vicious looking hit, and we just had to hope Troy Main Pope is okay from that. He had to leave the game, would not return. But Michael Badgley did come back and hit another. Pretty clutch field goal, I mean, by his standards. Hitting second-half field goals is something we didn't feel great about going into this game. 47 yards out, he hits the field goal to make it 27-17. to 17. And after that, it just got plain ugly because the Broncos need only two plays to go 75 yards and a touchdown, John. And it's set up by a couple of things. Nazir Adderley gets a late-hit penalty for 15 yards, and that ends up adding on to an already big 20-yard run by Phillip Lindsay. And then on the next play... And Nazir Adderley has a 
basically a kill shot lined up on Deshaun Hamilton. He ends up slipping. Deshaun Hamilton runs 40 yards into the end zone. And the Chargers defense at this point, not getting pressure on that play, selling out for the run after getting gashed like that. Nazir Adderley had a shot at him, but... I mean, that's the worst drive of Nazir Adderley's career. I felt bad for him a little bit, but that's two plays right there that I'm sure he would like to have back. After being pretty decent for most of the season, you weren't seeing him fail as the team's line of, last line of defense, but today it happened. Yeah, I don't know what was going through his his mind when <clears throat> when he shoved Philip Lindsay out of bounds like that. There's a difference between just pushing him out of bounds, and then just throwing your whole body into him while he's already on his way out of bounds. I don't know if he was frustrated, if there was some, like, something boiling down from the whole game, like the Broncos have been driving on them, so is he getting frustrated? Like, what exactly was he thinking right there? Cause that, that didn't make much sense to me. And then you can't really blame him for the 40-yard touchdown. He was running full speed and went to stop and turn – direction to go make the tackle and just completely slips <laughs> just it's just a bad angle though at that point like you're yeah. not slipping unless you're trying to make that aggressive of a cut uh. yeah and, and i'm i'm thinking like at this point it's just chargers you know typical chargers something small like that always turns into something big when you least need it to happen <laughs> something like yeah. a shove out of bounds is 15 extra yards on a 20 run and then a simple slide on a on a by a DB trying to cut back to go make a tackle turns into a long touchdown when you least need that touchdown to happen. <laughs> Two like plays on that drive. <laughs> it's it's like a curse, man. And then you come back and you get a field goal and you needed a touchdown. It it goes hand in hand right there. First, okay, we gave up two play, we gave up two play touchdowns, but we can still turn this back to a two possession lead and now uh, we'll just settle for a field goal. Yeah, I know. I 100% agree. And the Chargers would have a chance to answer again on their next try. And they go 12 plays, 60 yards, and a penalty absolutely kills this team again. This time it's Hunter Henry, who on first and 10 on the Broncos' 17-yard line gets called on a high-low block for a 15-yard penalty on first and 25. Another running play for four yards to Josh Kelly, where he takes out the legs of a defender. And then Sam Tevy this time ends up hitting the guy while he's in midair. And I still don't think that's really the letter of the law, but that absolutely was brutal. The next play, the Chargers run a run up the middle on first and 25. When you have a chance to, you know, maybe get 12 or 15 back with a passing play, they end up running the football. Justin Herbert scrambles and only gets back to the line of scrimmage on the next play. And then Hunter Henry had a pretty good effort on third down to make it an easy field goal. But Michael Badger goes three for three on the day and hits a 33-yard field goal. And then the drive happens, right? I mean, the final drive for the Broncos, the Chargers defense has a six-point cushion. The only thing they cannot allow is a touchdown. And a couple of plays on this drive are really what turned the tide. Tavon Campbell on third and eight gets a pass interference. Another kind of ticky-tack call. He got there a little bit early, but it didn't seem like he was actually hitting the receiver at all. It looked like he just had his arm behind him because if he misses going for the pass deflection, he has the arm wrapped around to tackle the guy, but it gives him an automatic first down. And then... This is the one that absolutely drives me crazy. Here we go. Seven seconds left. It's fourth and four for Gus Bradley's defense. The Denver Broncos are on the 18-yard line. And what happens? The Chargers call a timeout. You have a second. Gather your thoughts. Do whatever you got to do. 
The only thing you can't have there is a pass interference or a touchdown. That's it. Those are the only two things that can go wrong for you. And this is why I blame Gus Bradley, even though Brandon Faison ends up getting the defensive pass interference. Why do you not have three guys lined up in the end zone? Why do you have anyone doing short zone coverage on that play? If they throw anything in bounds, you rally and tackle at the football and you go make the tackle before it gets to the end zone. It's not that hard. Instead, what do you do? You don't do that. You have guys like Kenneth Murray, you know, dropping, you know, seven, eight, ten yards into coverage and just running a normal defense on the back end. Brandon Faison gets turned around, pass interference penalty, and it was a good call. I mean, it was a pass interference in the back of the end zone with one second left. What happens after that? Drew Locke ends up on one with one play with no time remaining, basically rolls out to the right. Rayshon Jenkins is in the flats. He has the opportunity to either cover KJ Hamler or run after Drew Locke if he covers KJ Hamler. Drew Locke probably tries to scramble. He has reinforcements coming from the middle of the field. They maybe get there, or at least he, you know, stays in the passing lane and has a chance at a tackle before Drew Locke can get in the end zone. Instead, he charges him. Drew Locke makes an easy throw to KJ Hamler in the end zone, and then the Chargers end up on the PAT, losing 31 to 30. But we're running a little long. I just want to know what each of you guys thought about the final sequence there from Gus Bradley in the defense. David, I'll start with you. The the only time we want you to use the picket fence defense, <laughs> you actually don't do it. And it's just this one was really, really hard for me. Uh, I mean, I had to take several hours before I could even start my preparation for this because this is the most excruciating loss. And we've had so many of them to, to pick from. But this was the most excruciating loss for me because the Chargers had this game won. I mean, how many times have we said that too? I mean, it just seems like the 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 worst broken record you could imagine. This one was a really, really tough game for me. The Chargers should have had this game won and they let it slip through their freaking fingers again. John, what did you think about that final defensive sequence? Pathetic, um, inexcusable, soft. I don't see uh, any thing good to say about it That's what about the fourth and four call though like what like were you not so as surprised that by as i was i mean it's almost a hail mary defense like they have to score a touchdown why are there people covering grass on the 10 yard line like i was kind of wondering that too because i mean me personally i would have had like maybe i would have probably done something along the lines of uh put four guys like towards the back of the end zone, like maybe like seven yards deep and then put another four guys like maybe two or three yards in front of the end zone line just in case, sure. like just so you can have like where if there is a, a hole to throw to, it's got to be a perfect dime of a ball. And if they get it, you you just deal with that type of thing. And then you would have three guys at the line rushing the QB, maybe like just. Well, and the just guys are already standing in the end zone. That's the thing, too. In that situation, the guys are already there. Why is Brandon Faison running with his back turned? Like, they have to go for a touchdown. First of all, the guy would have been way out of the end zone regardless. There's no reason to even touch him. Oh, yeah. But, I, uh, we go. We talk about for the player's side. Yeah, Faison should not have been touching because he was in the back of the end zone. Like, if he makes somehow makes that a touchdown catch, it's going to be like one of those freaky little – said Tonio Holmes in the Super Bowl tiptoe kind of weird catch, but like he was already touching the out of bounds line. Yeah. Really, he, he would have to come back and establish himself to right. make that catch. He did, there was no time for that in the in the air. But play calling wise, if you have four guys 
lined up deep like a cover four, and then another four guys like maybe seven or eight yards in front of them, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you're going to do to get into the end zone. And if someone catches it in front of them, they're swarming. And you would have three guys, the other three guys. Well, and if you start them back there, everything is in front of them. Like they would see everything because you're already standing back there. You know what I mean? Everything is in front of you. Like there's no reason for anyone to turn around. It has nothing to do with turning around. It's more of not leaving a hole. Because there's been times where I've seen the Chargers on like third and 17 from like the 19 and it's a touchdown somehow. And I'm like, how the hell did you do that? You know, like it's more of you're you're shutting down any throwing lane of like, okay, I see a gap. I'm going to just bullet it right there and I got it. Whereas if you have like a cover four on top of a cover four, it's really hard to do that. You have no choice but to heave it for a lucky jump ball or throw it short, maybe do laterals or something. But as far as the defensive line goes, if you have those three guys that D line, keep locking the pocket, just stand there like a, a container. He'll just sit there in the pocket and hope he finds a guy. But by then, he runs that seven seconds off the clock, and it's just a, a it is a hell mary at that point. Either way, it was a brutal call from Gus Bradley, and if I think if he got fired, I mean, there would be no other play to look at besides I think that play because even though the last play was brutal by Rayshon Jenkins, I think that's the play where they lost the game. Obviously, I mean, you have to get a touchdown there. All you have to do is force them out of the end zone, and instead, you know, you're running a somewhat looking normal coverage on defense as if they're just going for a first down. That's ridiculous. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you to everybody who's checking us out for the first time and all of our loyal listeners. Tomorrow we will be getting into what went right and what went wrong from this game and just talking about a few of the other things there's more to get into from this game and hopefully find some silver linings and also just talk about the things that have to change and maybe the people that have to be changed. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. Make sure to like the Facebook page, LockedOnChargers, as well as subscribe and do all of the LockedOn Podcast Network, as well as us on Apple Podcasts, or give us a follow on Spotify and make sure to rate and review. We'd really appreciate it. If you guys want to get your voicemail calls in, we'll probably be doing a voicemail show on Wednesday. The number is 323-524-7924, and you guys can vent to us. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Thank you again for listening. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.